0: psalmist calls all of creation to praise God. It says, Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds. And then he moves to people kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. And that's why we're here this morning is to answer that call of scripture to resound with the rest of creation at the glory of God to ascribe to him praise and honor that he is due. And we are so glad that you are here with us this morning to do that. Now, as we continue our worship together, if you would please pull out your worship folder. I see some of you already utilizing it as fans, so hopefully we'll get a little cooler in here. So that's one good purpose for this, but it's also good for finding out information in the church about what's going on. Inside the worship folder, you'll find this little check-in card. Not as good of a fan. I wouldn't try this one. But if you would fill this out for us, that would be awesome. You can also do it on our church app. Just let us know that you're here. You can uh, sign up for different events that are going on. And also you can let us know any prayer requests or praises that you have. We are a praying church, and we love to pray with you, for you, and praise God alongside you. So please uh, feel free to share those requests with us. At the end of the service, we have a white table at either entrance and you can take this card at the end and slide it in a little slot there in the side. If you are a special visitor with us, we want to offer a special welcome to you. We're so glad that you are here with us, that you chose to come to Newcastle. We don't believe in accidents um, when God is sovereign and at the helm, but we are so glad that you're here and we pray and hope that you will be ministered to while you're here, that you'll be blessed. If you have any questions about anything, I mean any of these people in the room would love to meet you and answer questions for you, but we also have a welcome desk just outside these double doors, and at the end of the service, if you still have some questions that you want some answers to, I would encourage you to go there. Um, just to, They would love to meet you, help you out, and we have a gift we would love to give you just to say thank you for being here and to show you how much we love you. Now tonight, there is a special event going on that we would love to invite each and every one of you to come to, and that's our congregational meeting right here in the Family Center, tonight at 6 p.m. And this is going to be a really uh, joyful time, celebratory time. Um, just last yesterday at the uh, elders' retreat, we had a, a day together where we were celebrating. We had just a piece of paper that just listed tons of things that we were thanking and praising God for um, that just happened since Easter, just tons of things and you're like, man, I would love to know those things. Come tonight to the meeting to hear all these updates from some of our elders and pastors and even some of our students. So we have had a team that went to San Francisco on a mission trip. Well, many of the students who went on that trip and and uh, some of the sponsors and stuff will be sharing updates about that trip. So it's going to be super fun, uh, a time of thanking the Lord for all the wonderful things he's doing in our church. So we hope to see you all there for that. And then this weekend is our last life group uh, kickoff sign up weekend. I know I said that last weekend, you'd think I'd work here or something, but uh, it's actually this weekend. And so if you're still wanting more information about our life groups, there is uh, panels out there in the hallway that have all of our different life groups on it, but you can also sign up online. And I don't think I've mentioned that in the four weeks that we've been talking about this. So that's pretty cool electric signups on our website. So I'm expecting a torrent of new signups now because there's a new electric way to do it. So go check that out on our website and if you have any other questions um, feel free to contact the office and we'd love to help you out. And then we also have a special visitor with us this morning, Pastor Jay Lennington. He is a staff pastor at Grace Community Church um, in Sun Valley, California. And he's going to be bringing the word to us this morning. And he's already been pouring himself out and ministering to our church already. Yesterday, he spent the whole day with, uh, with the elders at the elder retreat, which, by the way, thank you for praying for us during that time. It was a really um, sharpening time, a very uh, good time of reflection and teaching as we got to uh, sit together and talk about things with uh, Pastor Jay, um, just to help us grow as, as elders and pastors. So thank you for praying for that. But he also met with our youth group leaders and stuff last night. And so he has just really been serving and ministering to our church. And I'm really looking forward to um, him preaching again here this morning. And then last thing is our update about our associate pastor uh, search. So last week we had Josh, Pastor Josh Gerber, come for one of the final phases of candidating. And he um, preached the word to us. We had a Q&A time. We got to uh, meet his wife again. And just hear from them. And we were all really blessed by that time. Um, We really thank you for continuing to pray for this process. We thank you for sharing your feedback about what you thought about the Gerber family and Josh and his ministry. And so we're excited to update you and let you know that the elders have unanimously decided to uh, extend a job offer to Josh to fulfill that role. And he accepted that job offer role. So what that means is that two weeks from today, we as a church will uh, come together on Sunday morning. And we will affirm Uh, Josh is calling to that role by a a vote. And so there will be electronic and paper ballots, but also if for some reason you're not able to be here, I do believe there are are options for voting ahead of time. So you will just need to contact the office about that. But we are so excited. Thank you, Lord. Thank you guys for praying. And we are very excited about uh, moving forward um, and getting to have Josh with us. So before we continue singing, would you please bow your heads with me in prayer? Father, there is so much to be thankful for. So many wonderful, amazing things you are doing. Um, And we are excited to uh, talk about them now, but even more tonight. And I just pray that as we continue to focus on you, as we continue to worship you through prayer, through singing, through sitting underneath your word, I I pray that you would help us to be filled with joy. That you would um, help us to be filled with awe. And fear, that you would help us to fear you and your holiness and your transcendence, Lord, that we would give you the respect and the reverence that you are due while we sing these songs. And I pray that this this room would resound with your praise as we reflect on all the ways that we have um, to to be thankful for to you, all the reasons why we should be thankful for you to to you, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that you be honored and glorified as we worship you. Ask this in your son's name. Amen. Would you please stand as we continue to revere and honor and praise our God.
1: Newcastle great uh, seeing God's praises with you this morning it's time to dismiss children ages 3 through kindergarten to children's church and a line is already started back that way and headed south and up the stairs and there'll be folks to greet you for an age-appropriate gospel message today and uh, so head on out there. Uh, before we do pray, I just want to thank you, Newcastle, for your prayers for our elder retreat yesterday. I know many of you were praying, and uh, we sensed that and appreciate that. I tell you, God went to work on us yesterday, and through Pastor Jay, and thanks, Jay. And uh, as I said, first service, I thank anyway. But uh, we're looking forward to what's ahead. We really are. Come tonight here. Some and more of that, but uh, as well as some of the things of the past. But uh, in light of our theme of building up the body, we searched scripture and thought and talked and prayed and uh, really about, uh, about commitment and what it really means to be a, a committed member of Newcastle Bible Church. So you'll see and hear more of that. all we've been talking about, you're going to see and hear more about that as the next few months uh, come forward as well. But uh, this is a special blessing. Thanks for praying. Thanks for praying. Join me in prayer now, would you please? Well, Lord, it is indeed so good to praise you in song with this body of Newcastle brothers and sisters. Thank you. Bidding at the beginning of the last song, we sang, Tune My Heart to Sing Thy Grace. And Lord, I ask you that you do that today. Tune our hearts to your grace, to sing it, to embrace it really, Lord, to be changed and transformed by it today. And then we finish the song somewhere towards the end where we ask you to seal these singing hearts for thy courts above. Cause us to remember our teaching of Ephesians 1 earlier this summer where it says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him were sealed, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory, to the praise of your glory, our great God. What a promise we cling to this morning. What a guarantee that you have sealed us with your gospel of salvation till we acquire possession of it down the road when we see you face to face. The gain, as Paul later calls it in Philippians, all to the praise of your great glory. And then on top of that, that same spirit, your spirit who seals us also dwells inside us. Wow. That spirit counsels us, teaches us, guides us. Your spirit searches and convicts us for our good. He gives us gifts, as we learned a couple weeks ago, to help us to help each other in this body called Newcastle. To navigate this broken world until the day we do see you face to face. What a God you are. It's our joy to praise you this morning. It is our joy. And Lord, more and more this world needs to see you, your goodness, your love, that grace we've talked and sang about they need to have their hearts sealed by your spirit so lord if there are folks here today or listening online uh, that need to hear your word of truth today the gospel of your salvation let them today believe in you just as it says in ephesians 1 and then seal them by your spirit for the courts above please lord Lord, our partnering church this week's Liberty Bible we've been praying for, and Pastor Tom echoes, like many of my brothers and sisters around here, commonly say that we are blessed more than we deserve, and you are so good. And as you've been so good to continue growing Liberty Bible, Pastor Tom asks that they be good stewards of managing that growth. Help them, please, Lord. They're also starting a new children's program on Wednesday nights this fall. Thanks for sending volunteers to help with that new work. And bless them with wisdom as kiddos hear your word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in belief. Seal their kiddos, Lord, for the court, thy courts above. We pray for our own Go Partners K&H of Topaz this morning. Uh, it's good to see him here a couple weeks ago. We saw him again earlier this morning here, and uh, thank you for them, Lord, as they have just uh, a few weeks left stateside here. Bless them as they continue to connect with family and friends. Uh, they continue to prepare them for their next season of ministry as they look forward to uh, that next season in Topaz. And, and Lord, K&H asks we seek you for seekers in Topaz who are continuing to study your word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Open their hearts, Lord, that they would believe in you and that those hearts would be sealed by your spirit for thy courts above. So now, Lord, continue to tune our hearts to you and we'll give you all the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Would you please stand as we sing a song that causes us to rehearse the truths of the gospel that are ever sweet and never grow tiresome. This maker Make
2: bows his...
3: Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. First, I just wanted to say thank you to Kevin and the, the elders here at Newcastle. We, we had a great day yesterday, and uh, I, I am really encouraged uh, by them, and wanted to share that with you. I, I think you should be encouraged too. God has been so faithful and good to fulfill his promise to you to equip your church and give you pastors and elders uh, to help you with the ministry that the Lord has for you. So it's a great church, and, and, and I'm glad to be with you this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bible to Mark chapter 5, uh, and if you need a Bible this morning, we, we have some, some ushers ready to give you one. If you need one, just let them know and Start making your way to Mark chapter five as you open. I just want to ask if you would to reflect on a statement that maybe you've thought before, and it's this: the Christian life is really hard. Christian life seems really difficult, and being a Christian—I mean, it's just—it's not easy. If you thought that before, don't worry, you're not alone. Many have hesitated to become a Christian, believing that it was just too, too difficult, too hard. Others have doubted their ability to, to follow Christ the, the, the way that they know they should, the way that they want to. They know they're not, they're not living this life as they, as they see Christ calls them to, and so they just begin to wonder, wonder how can I do this? Is, is all this worth it? God calls us to this radical new life in Him, and in fact, you may say that, that being a Christian feels like, like big shoes to fill. And I'm a junior high pastor, and I think one of the requirements for being a junior high pastor is that you just be naturally curious, so... Of course, I want to know who has the biggest shoes to fill. His name's Robert Wadlow, if you're curious like me. Uh, he wears a size 37 AA. I don't even know what that's like. I think it's the size of this pulpit or something. So just big shoes, right? Those are big shoes, and, and certainly those are big shoes to fill. Probably like trying to walk in canoes or, or something, but it, big shoes. That's just a phrase that, that's meant to point us to something that's difficult in our future. You have a, a big job in front of you. you. You have a challenge to do this job well, especially in light of your predecessor. A lot of, a lot of people say that as they're replacing somebody. Just, this is a tough job. I have big shoes to fill. Those words would be on the lips of a, a company's new president or a new leader or a new Pastor. A new husband who's finding out how handy his father-in-law is is probably gonna say, I got big shoes to fill here. Christians aren't exempt from that phrase either. The Christian life, it feels like that. It feels like a a tough job being a Christian, obeying God and his word can feel like anything but, but easy. And we just think, I don't know if I can do this. I can't be the kind of, of Christians maybe that my parents were, or I'm not the kind of Christian that my, my disciples are or my peers are. feel just so far from living this Christ-like life that I want to live. These shoes are just too big, and so we need some help. We need some encouragement to face these challenges that are, are certain to, to come if we're following Christ this isn't an exhaustive list, but just consider this for a minute. What, what, what is a Christian life? As Christians, we're, we're called to, uh, to be this new creation as we fight temptation to sin and as we, we just genuinely, actively pursue holiness. And we're to find time to be in his word daily, and, and God calls us to be in prayer always. And there's more. We, we can't forget that we're called to use our spiritual gifts in the church to practice the one another's with each other. We're to share the gospel with the lost. We're to be committed to one another as we help each other grow in our faith. And all of that in the face of a world that wants nothing to do with you. world that's hostile towards you. No, the the Christian life is not easy. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're wondering, what could possibly bring comfort for the the life that Jesus calls me to live? And our text in Mark chapter 5 is a display of the power of Christ and a display of the power of Jesus. And it's here to to comfort you. It's here to to encourage you. It's here to be a source of the, the help that we need when we start to consider, is the Christian life worth it? Is this too much? Is this too difficult? All of us need this reminder one way or another, of the power of Christ. We need the reminder that's in this story to know that the promises of of Jesus are sure and that his word is is true. And Jesus showcasing his power, it's meant to remind us that our God is absolutely, sovereignly in control of everything. With him we have nothing to fear Before we jump into Mark chapter 5, I think it's helpful just to get our bearings a bit. The gospel of Mark, what is it? Well, Mark's moving really fast. He's a man of few words. He says what needs to be said. I appreciate that about him. But he's quickly moving in the first four chapters to help us understand that Jesus came with the gospel. And that news was incredible news to so many people. And it's clear from chapter 1 into 2 and 3 that this message of Jesus and also the miracles of Jesus are attracting huge crowds. They just want to know what this Jesus is all about. And this message of the gospel for some in those crowds becomes a message of salvation. They hear it and they believe. And Jesus called some of them to be his disciples, to follow him. And Jesus knows that these disciples, they have a really big job in front of them. Shortly after the cross, Jesus is going to ask them to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. He knew that they would need some comfort. They had a big task Certainly big shoes to fill and they need help like we do to understand. They need a, a hard to forget example of why they don't need to be afraid to, to follow Christ. I think Jesus knew that his disciples had the same thoughts rolling around in their heads as you and I do from time to time. Can Jesus really keep his his promises they have the same kinds of fears and doubts and Jesus knew that once he was gone these fears and questions those are only going to intensify those are only going to become louder and louder in their own lives is following Christ really worth it can he really keep his promises so Jesus wanted to show his Disciples and us, he wants to show them and teach them and instill into their hearts permanently that he is unmatched in power. He wants to show us that with, without a, a doubt just how powerful he is. He wants us to trust him. He wants you to know that you have nothing to, to fear. You too can trust his as we get closer to our text in chapter 5, Mark, at the end of chapter 4, begins to tell these stories. And there's three stories in a row, three stories to show us this very truth about the power of Christ. Three examples to take away every doubt about God's power and to infuse us with trust and hope in Christ. The first story is one that you're familiar with. It's a story about Jesus' power over nature. And it's chapter 4, verse 37. Jesus and the disciples are sailing across the Sea of Galilee. And in a way, they're being attacked by the sea. And the disciples are in panic mode. These experienced fishermen, seamen, they, they are really worried about the size of this storm. So they wake Jesus and they they yell at him and they're scared and they're freaked out because they're close to drowning and and Jesus is catching a nap. And as they wake him, Jesus begins to demonstrate his his power, a, a showcase of power with just a word. This story tells us Jesus is able to calm this storm. Like a giant hand pushing down on that sea. It's now still as glass and and pushing these winds away. And the text tells us something so interesting. The disciples are actually now more afraid. Chapter 4, verse 41 they're far more afraid of the power of Jesus than they were of this storm. who but God has this kind of power? Who who but but God can do this? They begin to understand that Jesus' claim is real. God is is in their boat. And it's really just the first part of the story. There's more to it to help us see the power of Jesus. He has power over nature, that's clear. But he also has power over evil. I want to read our text together. Let's read God's word together and see what God has in store for us this morning. Mark chapter five, verse one. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission. The unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. They were afraid. In the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. I think what's helpful for us to understand about this story of power is that this story of between Jesus and this this madman is that this story, unlike other stories of fantasy and power and magic or whatever else this story is real this one's real this isn't narnia or harry potter or lord of the rings or whatever you know whatever this is real story this is god's word this really happened and and i want to go through this story with you and just help you think about what this truth of, of the ministry of Christ means for, for you today. And we'll do that simply by just outlining it this way. We'll talk first about the man or the madman, and then we'll talk about the miracle, and then last, we'll, we'll look at the aftermath, okay? The madman, the man, verses 1 to 5. Verse 1 says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes, and I gave you that context in chapter four, just so that you would understand what was happening. They, they're probably pretty happy to get out of this boat. Remember the whole, you know, almost drowning in the sea thing. Like they're, they're there, they're out of the boat, happy to be alive. However, the place where they come ashore isn't exactly a great place for them. We, we are to quickly know that they're not going to be thrilled about landing in the country of the garrisons. That's not a place for a bunch of Jewish people. That's a Gentile place. That's a godless place. This is a a country filled with people who don't care at all about the Jewish religion of Judaism. Jews cared very much about being clean, avoiding unclean things, like pigs. (laughs) And here in the garrisons, you can find a man, not just with a couple of pigs, but 2,000. And I want to tell a bacon joke, but it didn't go over well first service, so <laughs> skip. We're just gonna. I'm sensitive about it. We're going to go right by it. The disciples are less than comfortable. First from the storm, now the pigs, and it only gets worse, verse 2, this man who's demon-possessed, just comes running at Jesus and them the moment they step out of this boat. And, and here's this picture of this madman, verses 3 to 5. He's, a again, a, a real man. I want to stress that. It's not a video game where you blast, you know, monsters and, and the undead. This is not a movie about zombies. This is a real man who had a family, who had parents, who had brothers and sisters, Uh, you know, maybe a cat or something. People knew this man before he became this way, but now he's very different. He's a man who has an unclean spirit, the text says. He's demonized. He's under the control and influence of this evil spirit. Verse 3 tells us something odd. He lives among the tombs. That's a place where people don't live. That's a place for dead people. And he's out of control. People have tried to bind him with with chains, but he would just tear them apart. Verse 4 says he broke shackles and chains. He, He ripped them to pieces. He's crazy strong. And he's also just plain crazy. Verse five says he would run around night and day among these, these tombs, and he's crying out, he's howling. The picture gets worse. He's cutting himself with rocks. He's like a, a madman. This this man had become a monster. And you see those three negative words there in verses three and four. No one could bind him, not even with a chain. No one had strength to subdue him. It's just, it's meant to be like a, a rhythmic reminder of just how powerful this man was. This is power that was frustrating to this community. It, it brought so much and frustration upon those people. And, and I believe they knew him. That's why they tried to chain him up, keep him from hurting himself, keep him from scaring the, the, the kids, hoping that one day this would just fix itself. And Mark wants us to know that they tried everything. Everything. They just kept bringing more chains and thicker chains and more thicker shackles, hoping that maybe this kind of chain will do the trick. But each time, the text says, even though they increased in density and were more serious kinds of chains, each time he just ripped those right off. Notice verse 4 at the very end. No one had the strength to subdue him. No one had enough power. This man turned scary monster, he, he, he just has too much power. They had tried it all. And, and I, I think we can imagine it. I think we can know what, what that would, would be like. Some would just totally stay away from him. Some would maybe, you know, kind of whisper about him. I think the junior hires would probably play a game, like how close can you get to where the monster man lives before you get scared and run away? The high schoolers would, you know, tease their little siblings and and call them the monster of the garrisons. You know parents use this against their kids, If you don't eat your vegetables, you're going to end up just like that. Do your chores or you're sleeping. Right? (laughs) I think we can picture it. I I think we can understand it. And our text tells us, though, that this is a sad picture, an, an evil picture. He's in pain. He's constantly under the control of these evil spirits. It's appropriate that he lives among the tombs because he's like a dead man, unable to do anything about his condition. Luke chapter 8 actually records, and Mark hints at it at the end, that he's without clothes. And that just completes the picture of the madman. He is dirty, and he's bloody, and he's smelly, and he's naked. He is just a wild beast. He would have been a horrible sight, transformed into something like less than Than human. He's just driven to the very bottom of existence. This is our madman. And verse six leads us to the miracle. Finally, a a day when someone would approach him without chains. Madman meets Messiah, demon meets, meets deity. Verse six says, He came running, kind of like that storm did, sort of attacking Jesus, but as he gets close to Jesus, he does what everyone does. His face meets the ground because he knows who Jesus is. Our text tells us that. He's, He's shouting at Jesus, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, don't me! Not only do these demons know who Jesus is, but they know precisely Jesus' role in their future. They have no doubt. They know that Jesus is the rightful heir of creation, Colossians 1.16. They know that he's the king of kings, Revelation 17.14. They know he is the one who will rule and reign over everything for all time, Revelation 17. 11, but they also know this. They know that Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, is the one who will judge the earth. They know that He is the judge of all that are in it, including them. Christ is the one who will finally and fully judge evil and these demons, these angels who fell from heaven with Satan, they will be judged by Christ. Verse 8, Jesus then says to this man, These demons, what is your name? And the reply is this Legion, for we're many. And Legion is a word that would be familiar to anyone who's got some experience with the Roman military system. Legion, it's descriptive of a, a band of soldiers. A lot of comments about it. Some say maybe 2,000 soldiers is a legion. Some say 6,000, maybe even more. I just don't think Mark's trying to emphasize a, a number because this is about power. A legion of the Roman army was powerful. Yes, it was big, but it was powerful. It was efficient. It was organized. It was incredibly strong. It was difficult to overcome a legion. They were just relentless in their strength and in their power. That word legion is really descriptive of of power. Yes, there are many evil spirits in this man, but he had been so dominated and divided and controlled because of the power that this evil horde possessed. What is your name? Legion. For we are many. Notice verse 10, though, this powerful enemy. Notice what he does. He, he begs Jesus not to send them away and beg Jesus to send them into the pigs. Verse 12, send us to the swine, please, Jesus, please. What couldn't be contained by chains and the, the thickest, most dense shackles, what can't be controlled by dozens of people and maybe more this powerful enemy is here begging Jesus. This legion knows he is no match for the power of the Son of God. He knows it so well that that it's only appropriate to beg. Please, Jesus, let us go to the pigs. He begs. It must not be even close, huh? And so Jesus, the one clearly with the most power, in case you missed it, notice verse 13, he gives permission, clearly the one in authority. And the evil spirits obey. They come out. They go into this herd of, of pigs, 2,000. They run towards the bank. They run into the sea and they drowned. Verse 14, the... the Herdsmen, they went and they told everyone in the city and everyone in the country what happened. And that leads us to the aftermath, verse 15. And here we see something familiar. The people don't come with celebration, they're not here to to praise Jesus and show gratitude for, for what he had done with this man. No, instead, they respond like the disciples did in chapter 4. They are afraid. The word had spread. People heard about the pigs. Everybody wants to see. They want to see the monster man now sitting clothed and calmed and relaxed and smiling and in his right mind. There's no wild man anymore, no howling, no more scaring people and yelling and cutting himself with rocks. He's completely transformed. And what does it say in verse 15? The people were afraid. They're terrified at the power of Jesus. The response of the crowd gets even more strange. Now they beg. Verse 17, they begged Jesus to leave. Are some of them mad about the, the, the pigs? Yeah, certainly. 2,000's a lot. It's a lot of financial loss for somebody that day. Probably a lot of them. But they were also delivered from that Burden of this demon-possessed man, wouldn't that have been worth it? Wouldn't they have been grateful? Wouldn't they have gladly traded their pigs for his sanity again? I think like the disciples, these people of the garrisons now see something much more clearly. Something they had only guessed at is now on full display here. Jesus is really powerful. And they're likewise scared and freaked out. This uncontrollable man who had plagued their lives for so long is now calm. And the one responsible, they ask Jesus, leave. Why? Because they're terrified that this power on display might be proof that Jesus is who he claims to be. and it just it makes me think of John chapter 3 verse 19 and John writes there this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil everyone who does wicked things hates the light and doesn't come to the light lest his works should be exposed if Jesus is who he claims to be, their reaction is, please leave. I want you to notice in verse 18 that this man who's been delivered, he, he sees his deliverer getting into this boat and he goes to him and now he begs, Jesus, I want to be with you. And Mark uses that word beg a lot here. I hope you're hearing it. And I I know he's doing it on purpose. It's one of those repetition of words, things that really matters here. The demons beg Jesus to let them go and the crowds beg Jesus to leave them alone. And this man begs too. The thing in common, Jesus never begs. He's clearly the one with the most power, clearly the one deserving the begging But the man who's been delivered begs for something good. And we're hopeful as the reader, you know, Jesus will will, will say, yes, follow me. It's interesting because the man asks and he uses the very same words that, that Jesus has been using throughout the gospel of Mark to say to people, come and follow me. The man now in his right mind uses the same words. I, I Yes, Jesus, I hear you. I want to come after you. I want to follow you. I want to do what you've been inviting everyone else to do. Please let me. And this man is aware of what Jesus has done for him, clearly aware of this miraculous change that's taken place. He must know and be convinced that he's been delivered from something pretty awful to have this kind of reaction. Begs Jesus, let let me be with you. Shattered life restored from ruin to redemption and we already read it, so you know, but it, the crazy thing is Jesus says no, <laughs> no, but he has such a better reason. Verse 19, Jesus wanted something else for this man. Go home and tell your friends everything that the Lord's done for you. All, all of Decapolis, all 10 cities here, I want you to tell this story to Everyone. In verse 20, we get the report that this is precisely what happens. All 10 cities, he tells everyone the good news of what Jesus has done. And he tells it everywhere. I don't think it's a stretch to know or, or believe that all 10 of those cities knew of this madman. They'd heard rumors if they didn't know him firsthand or had never seen him. And now they get to see him standing before them, saying, Look, look at the power of Jesus. Look at the scars that, that are, are healed. I took a bath, I'm clean, I'm wearing clothes. It's such an amazing picture that he's delivered and transformed. And I love our text because it says, everyone marveled. And as I told you before, this is the second in a three-part series here, a three-part story here that proclaims the power of Christ He's more powerful than the fiercest, scariest display of nature. He's more powerful than than this evil horde. And by the time we get to the next story, and it it follows, it's in the very next verses, Jesus raises a, a, a young girl from death back to life. And as the reader, as we're reading it, if we're reading it rightly, by the time we get to that story, we're meant to say, yeah, of course, that makes total sense. Of course he can do that. But there's something else in these three events that if we're honest, those are the three three things that scare us the most. Nature and evil and death those have the ability to to scare us and intimidate us. They remind us that we 're not that powerful we 're not in control. Those have the, a way of making us feel about this big. they make us feel powerless don 't they and here is Jesus demonstrating and Showcasing his power so that we know with him we have nothing to fear. Yeah, those three things that you're most scared of, watch this. (laughs) So, how do we respond? I I love this story. I told you Mark is a man of a few words. He he just says the, the bare minimum. But this story he gives the most ink to and I love it. And I think there's so much application for us. Let me just give you a couple. First, I, I think this should be what it's meant to be. This reminder of Jesus' power is incredibly comforting for followers of Christ. This is my Savior. If you're following Christ, you read that and go, awesome. Awesome. Because the Christian life is, is tough, It's challenging. It's filled with trouble and trial. But it's good news to know that my God has this kind of power. Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What do we have to fear? And it's comforting to know that this is Jesus, isn't it? If you leave with, with nothing else, leave with that message. But I also want you to think about this. It's something so helpful to see. What a great illustration it is. What what Jesus does for this madman is really one of the most beautiful pictures of the gospel in the Bible. What he does for this man is precisely what the gospel says it can do. Ephesians chapter 2, you're dead in the trespasses and sins in which you walk. Chapter 4, Ephesians 2, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us even when we're dead and our trespasses makes us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved for by grace, you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I wonder if you've ever thought about your life without Christ like the demoniac. I wonder if you've ever read his story and thought, man, that's really just, that's how I was before Christ. Or maybe you need to know that's what your life is like with, without Christ, living in the tombs, dead, desperately in need of someone with far more power than you possess. Do you not see that? You need someone with incredible power to set you free, just like he did. The demoniac couldn't fix it on his own. You can't fix your problem of sin on your own. You cannot free yourself. Your parents and family, although they love you, cannot set you free either. There is nothing you can do about it. You're a slave to this evil, slave to sin. That's why Paul says you're dead in it. You aren't friends with anyone who has the power over sin and death. Someone who has power to give life to the dead. Yet, look, here is Jesus more powerful than nature and evil and even death. And he's offering salvation through faith, offering you the gift of, of, of God, granting life to the dead for all who believe in his death on the cross for your sin. I've often wondered about this demoniac. Does he have any kind of awareness about what's going on? I don't know. The the text doesn't really tell us. But I'm not sure he did. I think it's very possible that he was so overpowered by this evil He didn't even know reality. He didn't even know the truth about what was going on. And that too is a reminder for so many that without Christ, you're actually in the middle of a nightmare that you might not even realize is happening. You're that dead to sin. Truly this man received a great gift, didn't he? And so do we in the gospel, save through faith, not your doing. It's the gift of God. What grace that is. I have no idea what time I'm supposed to be done, so I'm just going to keep going. I, I want to point out just one last thing. The demoniac's response. This, this is a, a beautiful response to Christ. This should be our response. This should be our reaction to the gospel. An incredible gratitude for what Jesus had done, for sure. You can't miss that. But look deeper. It's a heart that longs to be with Jesus. Yes, Lord, please, I want to be next to you and near you. I want to come with you. I want to be where you are. I want to follow you, begging, please, Lord, please. It's, it's the thing that I want the most. Jesus becomes our joy, my happiness, my treasure. I want to be with you. Such a great example, this demoniac is for him. But look, like him, we do not get to be with Jesus right away, do we? Jesus sends him on a very special mission to tell others, his friends and his family, and anybody he came across tell them the good news of, of the gospel. Tell them the good news of what Christ can do for you. Show them. Let them see it. Let them hear it. Let them watch your life and let them all marvel. And we have the exact same task. Matthew 28, 19, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. The demoniac had ten cities. It's fitting that we would get the nations. Until the Lord calls you home, we can learn from this great story of power. Power by the response of the demoniac. Go and tell as many people as you can. Tell them the truth of what Christ has done for you. Show them who you are. Let them see this new creation that that you've become. Help them to follow Jesus too. You gotta tell them that there just isn't anything in this world that can hold them captive when Jesus has this kind of power. There isn't any sin big enough or deep enough or dark enough that can compete with the power of Christ. And as we think back to where we started, those promises that Christ makes us, that hope that we're meant to have in him when our mind begins to doubt and wonder and wander, we're meant to go right back to this and say his promises are sure. That joy is, it's there. I can be confident in it. His trustworthiness and his power are, are equal. We've got to tell them. I think it's worth saying that just, and we'll close with this, just a few chapters later in Mark 7, verse 31, just a one sentence. Jesus returns to the region of the Decapolis and there it says, the people bring him a man who is deaf. How did they know? How did they know that Jesus could help? How did they know that Jesus is the one with power to help? We can't be dogmatic. We we can't insist that it's because of the demoniac. But it makes sense, doesn't it? Makes sense that this madman who was forever changed by the Messiah went and told everybody. And so they know they need Jesus and when they see him, they go. And I, I love our text as we think about it just Him teaching them about Jesus and showing them about Jesus. How did they know? Because they heard and they saw, and everyone marveled at Christ. And, beloved, that has to be our response today, too. Let us marvel at who Jesus is, let us marvel at his power instead of doubting his promises. Let us marvel at the gift of grace that he offers instead of feeling like following him is shoes too big to fill. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for this morning. We praise you for sending your son. Thank you for showing us how much power you have. That There is nothing in this world that can compete with your power. Lord God, for those who have not put their faith in you, I pray you'd use this story to draw them to you. Would you be gracious? Would you be merciful like you were to this man? God, show love and kindness again to those this morning here who need your gospel. And yet, Lord, we know that this morning is a time to to build up and equip your saints, those that you've saved. Father, fill us with joy and trust and hope for tomorrow. Give us a desire like you you did for this man to follow you and and wanna be with you and to know and be confident in how powerful that you are. Father, flood our hearts with that comfort that we need today today and in the hours ahead. Thank you for this better understanding of the power that you possess. May you use it to bring trust and joy into our lives that you intend. Father, we commit this to your honor, and your glory, and we pray in the name of our King and Savior. Amen.
0: Like the madman, we have many, many reasons to bless the name of the Lord, so would you please stand and sing, and let's bless his name together.
2: Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship So
4: it's fascinating to me that uh, we've had two guest speakers the last two weeks. Last week we had Pastor Josh Gerber here who talked to us about donkey heads and doves. This week we've had uh, a message on demon-possessed men from Mark chapter 5. And I don't know what God's doing, and I don't know what God's doing in your heart, but, you know, last week we had this message about there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. Our God is a God of hope. And today we heard a message that says there is no power that is stronger than Jesus. No matter how dark or deep your sin, Jesus is more powerful than that. So I don't know what's going on, church, but I know this. God is a God of hope. And God is a God of life. And God is a God of salvation. And whatever is going on in your life right now, Jesus is stronger. Submit to Him. Surrender. Walk in the light. Confess your sins and he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness that is good news you see we don't we don't just play games when we come to Newcastle Bible Church like like this is supernatural we have a god who is alive And he's a God of hope and he's a God of life. He preserves life and he gives life and he comes and restores life. So believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus. I'm so glad you've been here. Jay, thank you so much for your ministry to us. It's been a joy to have you here all weekend. We're so thankful for you, brother. Appreciate your ministry so much. Tonight at six o'clock... We are going to have such a sweet celebration. You don't want to miss it. A wonderful report from our youth about San Francisco trip that happened last month. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful time. But then our elders are going to share some other updates about all that God's Spirit is doing here among us. So please plan to join us tonight in this room at 6 p.m. Because we're going to meet in this room tonight at 6 the room has to get reset, so if any of you are able to just help stack some chairs immediately following this service, please uh, do that. Just stack all the chairs, and that will help our team prepare for the setup tonight later in this room as we come together for 6 p.m. congregational meeting. For now, though, let's dismiss by praying our benediction. We'll pray it together from 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. Would you pray it out loud with me, please? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And all those who are trusting in the God of hope and the God of all power would say, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.